welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys. Uh, let me just tell you, I think, I don't know what episode this is going to be. It might be 25. It might be 26. I don't know what we're going to do. All I know is I'm wicked excited today because... The dude on my show today is truly, oh, first of all, hey, welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> you can hear my big mouth. You know it's me, you guys. But here's the thing. Um, Zach, I, Zach has been on my radar for a long time. So I feel like my, my brother is at a disadvantage today because I probably know way more about him than he knows about me because he is one of my bona fide heroes alive on the planet today. Um, you guys who know me, you know how I feel about animals. I've been a vegan for over 16 years. I'm an animal advocate. I fucking love animals. Dogs, I always say animals are one of my fastest pathways to God. There's no complication in my love for them and their love for me. It's just easy peasy. And so um, Zach has been, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Zach and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the man speak for himself. But um, Zach started a nonprofit uh, called Molly's Mutt's Dog Rescue. And it's, you know, with my accent, it's Molly's, but there's an I in there somewhere. Okay? <laughs> I love so. your version the best. <laughs> Molly's Mutt Dog Rescue, uh, which often also has these offshoots, which is um, like the Miracle Mutts. He has a ranch out in, uh, like around, around Bakersfield, California area. Uh, I used to yeah. hang out in Bakersfield quite a bit when I lived in California. Um, he also has an incredible program that has become near and dear to my heart too, called the positive change program where he pairs up dogs that are on death row with inmates in prisons and they help to rehabilitate both the men and the dogs. And he also just started a new program, um, with juvenile girls, which the juvenile program, which I, I have so much to say about that. Um, he's a proud dad of his beautiful little daughter. He's also, yeah, she's the best. He's also got a beautiful, gorgeous wife who is also involved in rescue, but she's also a genius real estate agent, Heather Scow. Um, and Zach just has a really powerful story too. Um, and you know me, like my programs and spiritual mentoring, it's all like your story to your glory and stepping into the fearless flow. Talk about story to your glory. I'm going to let Zach tell you that story himself, uh, but it's a really, really powerful story. And I'm just wicked on it. You can tell I'm really jazzed. I'm really excited to have Zach here because he's doing important shit in the world. He is standing up and having a voice for the voiceless. He's creating change. His own story is like a comeback kid story, a Rocky story. You know how I feel about the champ and, and rooting for the underdogs. And if there was ever an underdog story, it is Zach and Molly's mutts in, in this whole thing. So you guys, welcome to the program. My brother, who uh, I'm way more familiar with him than he is with me, so I apologize for if I'm stepping over any boundaries, Zach. But you guys, Zach Scow, welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. Yeah, that was the greatest introduction in the history of introductions. <laughs> but I have been following you, and, and uh, we talked about this like a year ago when you said, or maybe even more when you said, uh, when when you get your podcast up, 
you know, you got to have me on. And I've yeah. definitely been game. I've been uh, been wanting to get on this for a while, so I'm excited. Dude, thank you so much for being here. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about this, I, I try to like most of my podcast episodes, it's just me. They're solo shows and only once a month. So this is like prime real estate. Once a month, I invite somebody on who I think is wicked cool, who I think is doing powerful and important and impactful work in the world, who I think is just a hell of a human being um, and has a power, like a, a spiritual leaning to them and has an incredible story. And so I don't want to speak for you, but I, the basis, I'll just set you up for it. So the basis, my understanding of your story, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that you had had some drug and alcohol um, addiction and use and abuse, I guess we would say. And the doctors were like, you were in like end stage liver failure. And you had like 90 days to live. And one of the, the precepts is that if you wanted to stay alive and become um, eligible for a recipient to be a donor, you had to like get your ass in gear and move your body yeah. and bring your body back to a place where your body could actually receive a liver. So can you talk a little bit about that and how that became the inspiration for Molly's Mutts? Yeah, it was... Um... It was the whole inspiration for Marley's Mutts. I, I, I got, um, I started working in animal welfare in 2003, you know, rescued my pack. So Marley, who came from the Mojave Animal Shelter, Tug in Mojave Animal Shelter, and then Buddy, I, uh, I trapped at Rosamond Elementary School in 2003. Uh, and then I started working for the Humane Society just with their large dog foster program. This is in the early 2000s, just helping, helping them get that up and running, really just trying to put some sort of like, um, title on my life. I, I had no, I, I had no real job. I was bouncing from job to job, kind of weaseling off my dad the, the best that I could and yeah. really just woefully addicted to alcohol and drugs, you know, really, really badly. You know, I was a 24, I was an everyday drinker and then I became a 24 hour a day drinker in 2003 when I, when I got in a really bad car accident. And uh, yeah, I mean, my, my liver started to, uh, in 2008, my liver started to fail. I started to turn yellow and my belly started to fill up with this, I mean, like nine months pregnant, you know, and I'm starting yeah. to leak, leak blood from both ends and didn't know what was wrong with me, but knew it was probably alcohol related and went to the doctor and they took one look at my results and said, you're in liver failure and you need to go to a hospital immediately. Wow, dude. I didn't, I didn't go. I lied about it. I kept myself out of the hospital for as long as possible. I tanned in the sun, I wore sunglasses, I wore baggy clothes, I taped my herniated button, belly button to my stomach so that you couldn't see it poking through my t-shirt. Dude, like this is high level <laughs> functioning denial, right? Like we're yeah. just not gonna face the facts that no. we're slowly destroying ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah. you wanna hear about it? I remember it. I do wanna hear about it, uh, yeah. I, I, got, I, I tried to convince the nurses that it was just because I was on a bender the <laughs> night before or for the week before. And they said, no, that's not how liver tests work. Well, it's not how blood tests work. This is a, these tests are an indication of your liver, liver wellness <laughs> and your, your liver is failing and you're not going to be alive for very long. And because I knew that meant no alcohol in my life, I, my, my mind wouldn't let me contemplate it. You know, I, I no part of me paused on, well, this is my chance to get better well, I better go to recovery or I better stop drinking. It was, if anything, I doubled down. It was like, Dude! yeah. Yeah, I find that fascinating. Um, so now that you have some time and some insight and some wisdom about your own behavior, right? What do you think that was? Was it really just the fear of 
well, getting my shit together means that I got to stop drinking. Like you just didn't want to stop drinking. Were you? No, I, I, yeah, it was, it was that, uh, there was no, I had no identity without alcohol. So, yeah. you know, I'll never forget, you know, I've been through some abusive scenarios as a child, you know, some sexually abusive scenarios, um, mm-hmm. That occurred for a number of years, uh, which combines to just have me be very nervous around women, uh, paralyzingly so, just nervous in especially intimate situations. Yeah. And I was a handsome kid. and uh, Wait, did you just say you were a handsome kid? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, Dude, have, child, you, have you looked in the mirror? Because uh, I don't think I don't think much has changed. Well, well, the thing was, is, is that back then I, I couldn't leave, I couldn't meet up to the expectations, you know, the older yes. girls wanted to date me and all my family and friends thought that I should be with so-and-so and be doing this and that. And I just, I didn't have the confidence. I didn't, yes. I couldn't feel comfortable. I was terrified. I was oh. utterly terrified around women oh. in intimate situations. And, and I didn't know why I thought there was something wrong with me, not, not able to, to trace it back to all that trauma from, from um, at a younger age, which now it makes a thousand percent sense. And, and, and <laughs> yes. really it's, it's helped yes. me heal and, and move on. I don't, I don't even really think about it anymore. You know, it was something that occurred for several years of my life and at a pivotal stage hormonally and developmentally. And right as you're coming into puberty, it's very strange to have all those things happen to you and not really know what's going on. And, yes. you know, think of uh, also it's difficult for people who have been through uh, sexual trauma that's not overtly um, intercourse related. Like yes. unless someone raped you, you know, like, uh, so it's difficult to, to identify w- exactly what happened to you. And also the, the stigma, the word is so stigmatized, you know, sexual abuse or molestation. And, you know, particularly this occurred with, with someone who was very close to us. And I didn't want to think of that person as a, as a molester or me All as right, a molested sure. kid. Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to think of myself as molested. And, um, but, but it wasn't until I, you know, was able to connect on that with a therapist and where they, they kind of went, or, you know, are you not seeing this? <laughs> I, went, I just kind of went, what, you know, and, and then they explained it all and it made a thousand percent sense. And just discovering sure. that kind of was a true epiphany. You know, it was like the first day of the rest of my life. And I've since been able to enjoy a very intimate relationship with my wife without, without a lot of the problems that I used to have. Just, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack every time I was intimate. You know, Dude, I totally hear you and I feel for you on so many levels. And I think, you know, it's, it's so fascinating. I can relate. I can relate on a lot of levels. It wasn't a situation that went on for years, but there were lots of incidences, a ton of sexual harassment, a lot of, um, you know, and like you said, like, like, yeah, like that word sexual assault, like if it's not like you said, like actual penetration or molestation or like certain rape or whatever the thing is, it can be really hard to label it. And I remember working with a woman who, um, because my childhood trauma, I don't know wh- what you know or don't know about me, but my mom was murdered when I was 12 years old and I had a really intense childhood and, um, and so I, my body developed irritable bowel syndrome. That's how like everything went to my gut. Like you went, you know, you went to drugs or alcohol, or whatever, like all my stress and stuff just went like in on myself. And I remember talking with a woman recently who, who said to me, you know, you, you had a lot of trauma as a child. And I remember being like surprised. I was like, what? <laughs> she was like, yeah, you were traumatized as a kid. And I was like, like what? And I go downstairs and I say it to my sweetie and he looks at me like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock, right? Like, yeah. but I think part of it too was like exactly what you said, like not wanting to wear the label 
of like being a traumatized kid or being a kid that was molested or being a kid with a dead murdered mother or being whatever the whatever the how the world would look at us but the way that we looked at ourselves like when you say i had no identity without alcohol that is like so powerful to me because I think you, um, you know, getting Molly and then kind of working into Molly's Mutt's uh, dog rescue and like, dude, you've rescued over like at this point over 5,000 dogs, which is incredible. But now you have a sense of self and you have a sense of purpose with the dogs. Do you think that that's really what the heartbeat of that was? Like, 100%. yeah, there was, no, uh, there was a big difference between life with purpose and life without purpose you know definitely i i just meandered through life as a like chronic failure like a perennial letdown for a long time you know uh with no purpose i mean i, I could have been rubbed out at any time and it really wouldn't have made a difference um probably would have been a, a relief to my family so yeah to, to have found wow. something that i legitimately am passionate about in that helps me get up every day and, and can take me away from all of the narrative that's going on in my mind is very special and helpful. You know, definitely. I, I need to have something I'm working towards. You know, I need to have something that I'm plotting towards, something that I'm fighting for. It's really important for me to have something that I'm fighting for in order to like maintain my sanity. Yeah. I think, you know, there's so many layers here, man. There's so many layers here. And I think one of the things when you're talking about needing to be purposeful, um, to me, I like you can you and push back if it doesn't feel true for you, but it feels it feels it when when you said it, it just kind of landed in me. And I'm like, you know, dog rescue and the positive change program and having something to fight for and all these things, it's because it's like this um it's like this hybrid of like fighting for your own life. Like this is how you take a stand for yourself as being purposeful in the world. But it's also I see this as almost like a spiritual practice for you. Like how some people might meditate or pray or do contemplative practices or like whatever the thing is. It feels to me like loving dogs, rehabilitating dogs, helping incarcerated men, helping people change their own narratives and changing the narratives that society writes about particular people. To me, it feels like a spiritual practice for you. Does any of that feel yeah, like totally. Yeah, it 100% is in a, pretty, in a pretty rudimentary but also kind of pathetic I don't want to say I'm pathetic, but there are there are certain elements of my my psyche, uh, you know, personality defects, defects of character, if you will. You know, I get I get very hung up on my lack of self worth. You know, I can have the most incredible wife in the world and a, a daughter I don't deserve, and incredible family, and, and be talking to you right now, and all those things. And I and I have this maybe it's a byproduct of depression or concussions or. Mm -hmm. or uh, years of abuse or, or whatever you know or just a lot of trauma a lot of being um you know just di different things in life but i i don't feel um i don't walk around with a tremendous amount of self-worth i don't walk around loving myself there are times you know i have these like perturbations of love where i where i feel like i can respect myself and but it doesn't happen all that often and i don't just wake up feeling that way and i don't go to bed feeling that way in order to validate myself and to feel worthy i have to engage in acts of service. So it 100% is spiritual for me. I, I, will, I will spiritually bankrupt myself if I'm not engaged in service because my ego is, is overly active and yes. my ego yeah. tells me that I'm not good enough. It tells me I'm a piece of shit at the center of the universe. And, and the more, you know, the, the only way I can combat my ego is to be of service. And being of service really um, 
takes away from the the burden of self, like that constant nagging burden of self and, and allows me to kind of get some traction and, and feel better about myself because I, I know what I'm, I know what I'm doing and I'm, I'm truthfully and wholeheartedly engaged in it. And I'm, and I'm not serving, I mean, I am serving myself in that it helps bring me worth, but I'm serving other things, other people, other animals. Um, and that's, there's just something special about that. There's a reason why service is so important, like in the, in the culture of, of America and, and in the world, because it really has the ability to cure people of depression. One of the, one of the key factors to depression and, and really just lack of joy, serenity, all of those things is, is, um, is service is we're so fractured and disconnected and lonely. And we don't think we have this, um, you know, tragically unique syndrome where we all think we're, we're fucking special. Oh special. yeah. We're all yeah, like, everybody gets a fucking blue ribbon. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're specially fucked up, you know, like, yes. Like, well, let me tell you about my special fucked up qualities and then you tell me about yours. Fantastic. And we're all just like, yeah. We're all just like a accumulation of a whole bunch of, uh, neuroses and psychosis. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's fascinating because I'm a longtime student of A Course in Miracles. And what A Course in Miracles will say is like, you know, the ego is obsessed with specialness. And it will try to make you special. Um, the ego mind will try to make you special, either through superiority, which is I am better than everybody else. I'm really powerful. And like, I'm, you know, you're, you're, you're a piece of shit and I'm like the best, but the ego will also try to make you special in, I, I, the course doesn't say it this way. I'm paraphrasing, but it would say through your fucked upness. Like yeah. I'm so fucked up. Exactly what you're talking about. Our victim yeah. stories, like look how, look how screwed up I am. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I do a lot of workshops or in the past I have on, um, on grief. And I, I often say to people, like, we're not here to outgrief each other. Like, if, if Carol tells you about her dead kid, this isn't the time for you to, like, up the ante on, like, how fucked up your life is, yeah. right? Because yeah. we love those stories. Yeah, be love those stories. before it's out of their mouth, before they're done talking about themselves, the other person's going, whoa, 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 let yeah. me tell you about mine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They love to be special. And, and, but it's also one of the ways that we keep ourselves from truly knowing ourselves is by latching onto the story of um, not being worthy. And yeah. so when you were talking to this, I was talking about this, I was listening very intently because this is the work that I do. I'm a spiritual mentor and I really believe that spirit is part of the solution um, to why we uh, have such a problem of disconnect and self-loathing and whether that turns into depression, anxiety, addiction, like whatever. Mm -hmm. I really feel like the solution is, is totally knowing who we truly are. And whether you say that as your higher power, your higher self, a child of God, um, a part of the universe. I don't fuck. I never get hung up on what you call it, yeah, but I really do have an attachment. That's why I do this work that I do. And I'm, you know, I'm called to do the work that I do is, you know, knowing the way that my mother suffered in the last moments of her life, she was beaten to death. Um, I, I really just part of, part of the reason why I believe I'm on the planet right now is to help people know that they don't have to suffer and that there's a better way and that there's a different way. And so when yeah. I listen to your story, like I, I'm really, I'm feeling really emotional right now because it's like, I sometimes say to my clients, like, I, I wish I could take, I could pop my eyes out and like pop them into your head. So like mm -hmm. you could see yourself through the yeah, lens. Yeah. And I'm sure people yeah. say that to you often because yeah. I'm not like he, at the end of the day, it like, it, it, it hurts some part of me as a, I think we're all yeah. brothers and sisters, right? I call you brother yeah. all the time. So it hurts some part of my heart when, when you say, um, yeah that you go to bed not uh, loving yourself and that you wake up yeah. not loving yourself. Like I, it's like getting punched in the gut when I hear that. Yeah. And 
Yeah. Nobody can change that for you. Like this is your, yeah. this is your work. But I, I just want you to hear me say that, like, and I know you know this and, and there's something fucking weird about being a little famous too, because you do have a little bit of fame now, right? You have yeah. more, more than a little bit amount of fame is that it, it, it's really easy when you start to hear a thousand times a day, you're a hero, all this work you're doing, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing. But if the external vibe, vibe or frequency doesn't match mm -hmm. tonally inside, yeah. it's just like Wonder Woman ricocheting the compliments. It's like not being able to be receptive. And exactly. Robert, it's Robert even worse than that. I know. Rabadrana Tagore has this beautiful quote where he says, everything that belongs to you will come to you if you create the capacity to receive it. And I think this is the thing is creating a capacity to receive the fact that you are call it, whatever you want to call it, a child of God, that you are fucking amazing, that you are doing this incredible work, that you are worthy. And, um, and look, like, look, I, I am so happy when I saw that, like, I'm sure women everywhere, when they saw that you were engaged to Heather, were like, oh, dudes off the market, like whatever. <laughs> I was so psyched for you. I was like, yeah. hey, she's wicked hot. Number one, she's smart. Yeah. Like she's like, yeah. she's a go-getter. I loved it. And I was just so happy for you because I was like, at some point, the veil of your the veil yeah. of the illusion of you feeling separate from the divine, the creator, God's source yeah. or whatever. I'm like, maybe it's going to like, maybe we're going to start like, boom. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And it's happening, you know, and I think welcoming her and then welcoming shine to my life. It's, um, it's impossible for me to stay on that spiritual Island, you know, sequestered in my own shit anymore because it's, uh, <laughs> and I really do feel shit like island. I'm, I feel like I'm graduating from that. Um, I'm in the process of graduating from that self-loathing as yes. in, ter in terms of it being a pattern. You're talking about the feedback loop of like sympathy or, or um, yeah, kind of the, 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 the sympathy narrative. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's been, my story has been my story for so long. It has been that significant thing that uh, I guess makes me different and, and that people can relate to because everyone's had someone suffer and, and, recovery or addiction or alcoholism and and also you know um people people appreciate the vulnerability they appreciate me talking candidly and openly and not pulling any punches yeah um, so a lot of times i feel like i have to reflect on the sadder parts of life and the sadder parts of being me whereas you know lately and recently i don't i don't want to be that for my daughter anymore i don't want to be yes that. you know what yes! i mean I don't, I don't i certainly don't want her to think that that's how she gets what she needs because it is how i got what i needed for a long time and it, it's a dangerous pattern. self-pity is a dangerous oh my god you know why because yeah. in this fucking world in the illusion we are rewarded we are rewarded for our smallness and our brokenness 100%. i just i don't play that game like we get you wait you, you just say you don't understand no i get it oh yeah yeah, yeah we're really rewarded more. we're rewarded for our stories of what happened to us and the, they're also a great way for us to have excuses. But yeah. some part of you, this is what I'm saying, like some part of you stop playing that game because some part of you is making very different choices and is showing up in a bigger and bigger way. Like that's the part, like this is the rise. I always talk about, the, you know, Rocky's one of my champion stories because if he had just stayed a bum, like punching like hunks of meat in a locker collecting for that bookie, that, that yeah. would have been a drag of a story, right? Yeah. When he starts running through the streets, rock, you know, da -da -da, and he climbs it. Like that's when the story gets interesting. The rise yeah. is when it gets interesting. And so For to sure. me, you know, what you're doing 
Um, yes. You know, people meet you. Like if you think about the story as like, you know, down in the depths is like the bottom. That's where most people mm -hmm. tend to relate. Mm -hmm. But I think when you're, when you start to get right with yourself, when yeah. you start to get clean and right and smart and healthy and whatever, I call it when, when you take the elevator, if you're lucky enough to take the elevator to a higher floor to the top floor, you better fucking send that sucker back down yeah, for the yeah. other people who are coming up behind you. And I think that your work does this in so many ways. And I think that people look at you sometimes as like, oh, the dog guy, like you're sometimes called dog boy, right? Or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But what you're doing isn't just applicable to animals or whatever. It's so human and hot based and it's really yeah. powerful. And I think like, I want to talk about the, um, cause I know how near and dear to your heart. I say it's near and dear to my heart, but obviously you're the creator of the program. It's way more dear and dear yeah. to your heart. The positive, um, change program because yeah. I think, and you know, the guy that murdered my mother, he, he went to jail and I've, I've, um, I have over the phone mented um, uh, somebody from prison. He was in prison in California, actually, uh, which was really powerful experience for me. And you I know think prison? he was in, he's way more north. He's okay. up toward in the Bay Area. Like Solana or Folsom? Uh, not Folsom. Oh, yeah, but, but it was, uh, he was, uh, he's out now and he's doing great. And uh, it, was, it was an amazing experience for me to be able to have that. But one of the things I yeah. think is that you know, it's really unfortunate and unfair to define somebody, you know, by their worst mistake or their worst moment. And I think a lot of people, I'm like, they didn't fucking end up there because they had the best parents and the best childhood and the best economic situation. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you yeah. don't usually end up there because uh, things were going great in your life before that. So can you talk a little bit just about like about the program and um, why you love it so much and, and what some of the powerful kind of takeaways you're getting from um, this. Yeah. Well, I wanted to touch back on another thing with the feeling Please sorry do. for yourself. I, I, for so long while I was addicted and, and drinking, that was how I got what I needed. You know, if you make people feel sorry for you, you can yes. get what you need. People will yes. send you things. They will give you stuff. They will take pity on you and you'll become a charity case. And I see so, you know, there's a lot of really successful pages out there that highlight on, that focus on, on the, you know, more uplifting, proactive aspect of being positive, not looking for sympathy, but just being positive and, and um, persevering in spite of all that you're dealing with. And those are the pages that are really, I don't know, it's almost like a battle on social media. I see the two, you know, like, like I saw one post this morning um, from someone that I, I probably will stop following, but it, you know, it was... <laughs> It had to do with, um, I've got to go do this. You know, it involved driving a bunch of animals far away for treatment. And I've got to, um, you know, I had to put down an animal um, that they had welcomed into their own, own home. Long story short, it was just, the whole thing was poor me. The whole mm -hmm. thing was poor me. And it was a situation that the person had created for themselves. And it's actually a pretty beautiful situation. You know, yes, it involves death. But there's a lot to be had in death and there's a lot to gain from death and there's a lot to teach people through death and there's a lot yes you know mourning is a great experience to be able to, to get to mourn you know i lost my grandfather yesterday and 
um, to think about him and, and to be reflecting on George all day positively is great. I, I could get on social media and just do a depressed, depressing. Post I saw, I saw your video and I, George yeah. is beautiful and it's Heather's grandpa, right? Who, right yeah. on her side of the family. And mm -hmm. so I want to, I wanted, to, I was going to wait till a little later when yeah. we were wrapping up to, to mention it, yeah. but I'm glad you're bringing it up. So, so, so I don't know where I was going with that other than, than it is so much, you know, those posts get a ton of love. They, and every comment oh, is, oh yeah. my God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for you. And you're an angel and I'm sorry. And that's how it's like on a lot of those pages. Just, I'm sorry. And, and there, there's, I feel like there's gotta be a middle ground where we can express empathy for what people are going through because these are challenging times without having the, the, the primary um, emotion communicated be sympathy. Well, that's you know, a transactional post though, Zach. It's yeah. not, it's not, it's, it's, it's what you're feeling, right? So as a writer, here's the thing, as a writer, when you write something, especially if you're writing something awful or horrible, like, you know, a murder, a rape, or like da 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 One of the key things is you always have to say, I always say to my writing, my writing, my writers who are my clients, I say, you've got to let your audience have their own experience. So mm -hmm. you don't come out and say, oh, my rapist was an asshole. This guy's a motherfucker. Like you don't, I'm like, you don't tell them that. You just say what happened let your audience kind of decide. So sure. you're not hooking, you're not trying to manipulate, right? So those kinds of posts, those are designed to do exactly what you're talking about. They are designed because that person is either not doing enough self-care, they're uh, addicted to attention, poor me, the mata, the victim, whatever the fuck's going through that person's head. But it's designed to um, do exactly what you're saying, which is get likes, and to be told you're an angel yeah. and you're the hero it's and you're so good. narcissism. Exactly. Uh, totally. Yeah. And so what, but here's the thing. You can tell who's picking up what's really going on based on responses, right? So like, like me, I would see that and I would be like, fucking please, like, please. Like, even though it's awful, your dog died or whatever, you were in that situation. Yeah. I just won't play. Like, I don't reward that behavior because I see it very clearly. And it feels like a hook is being put in me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't play that game. Like I'm 50 now. I see, I've seen enough. Yeah. I see it. But look, when I was a kid, I, I played the dead mother card. I know exactly yeah. if I didn't want to turn in my homework, like I yeah. get how it was done. I knew how yeah. to get attention, but it stopped, that stopped being fucking interesting to me. Yeah. Like that's no, not I, interesting to I me. I had a buddy of mine whose mom died and she turned it around in the most perfect way. And she would constantly poke fun at it. And we'd be at a fast food restaurant and they'd be like, oh my God. She'd be like, uh, hey, I ordered, um, I ordered a ranch with my French pies. Did you, did you not include it? And they'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. She'd be like, oh, no big deal. My mom only died last month. Right. You know? And then we'd be like, you know, the parking would cost too much. She'd be like, oh, you, you know, my, you clearly have no heart. My mom died last month. Anyway, <laughs> just joking around with it constantly. Yes. It was, that was the, the way to wear it. Yeah, and it is. And I think there is a way, but I think it takes some spiritual maturity. And I think it takes some personal insight to understand that, like, look, you, hey, you know what, you and everybody else, like the details of the suffering, it might be different. The details of the story might be different, you know, but like, I know, and here's the thing, as long as we're in these human bodies, pain is inevitable. Mm -hmm. But like suffering is optional. Suffering is optional because it's all about your state of mind. And, and I, look, and I'm not talking about little kids in countries where they're at the mercy of having no food, no water. Like that's true, blue, genuine, um, heartbreaking mm -hmm. suffering. But as adults, when we hit a certain age, even the stories that we choose to keep telling ourselves about what happened, quote unquote, to us as children is a choice that we're making. And I think 
you know, I call it, you know, moving from your, transforming your story to your glory. That's what it's all about. And it was one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here because it's not like, oh, well, Zach's got it a hundred percent figured out. He never has a bad day. He doesn't still have self doubt. I'm not worthy. I'm not, but in spite of, or like, even with that sometimes doubt, it hasn't rendered you powerless. You are not paralyzed. You are still making choices. And there was, it's so important that that service piece yeah. and part of how you serve it. I just want to circle back and I don't mean to keep pushing it on you, but I'm so excited about this program because yeah. something that I read that you posted, I, maybe this morning or last night is that men who, men who go into prison and then get out with no structure or program or, any, or anything to look forward to or to be of yeah. service to you said um, going, ending up back in jail. It's like something like 80 or 85%. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing with your program of taking dogs who are otherwise, uh, as I call it, on death, death, on death row, who are going to be euthanized, putting them in prisons with an opportunity for, for men. And I watch all those videos. Like, I'm addicted. I, so I, I, I have mixed feelings so about, yeah, about social media, but I'm obsessed with, <laughs> with yeah. the positive change. Because you're watching, I mean, from a therapist or from a person who's, who's engaged in spiritual wellness and, and discovery, you're watching these people make Herculean steps oh. forward in their life, you know, where they're, they're maturing before your eyes in yes. such profound, large ways that most people out here in the, in the real world or a lot of people aren't willing to go through. So they've become totally spiritually deconstructed and emotionally deconstructed to almost a point of zero and then are building themselves back up. And it's, it's really gutsy um, to do it in a prison because it's most ballsy people, as yeah. like it is ballsy yeah. as get out. And it is, it's, yeah. I'm sorry, I get so excited. I didn't interrupt you, but it, it yeah. is, it's what it is in a course of miracles. We talk about what a miracle really is, is a shift in perception. It's a shift in perception from fear to love. Mm-hmm. That's what a miracle is. It's really a shift in how you see and perceive yourself and see, perceive your brothers and sisters in the world around you, right? So when I'm watching these men in these videos on graduation day or just learning how to use their body language and like all this mm-hmm. stuff, like I like sob, but with a smile on my face, like the whole time. I'm just, cause yeah, it is, it, cause it is miraculous. Yeah, it is yeah. miraculous. And it just, it also lets you know that you've, um, it gives you permission to love them because you see them working so hard and succeeding that it, it, it's validation that you're allowed to love these people because we still have this cultural restriction, um, you know, this this tendency that's been bred into us to not embrace inmates. That these are prisoners; these are people capable of great harm. They've perpetrated great harm, and they should be they should be very warily, um, you know, dealt with and dealt with with extreme caution. And so. You know, they're really just setting this this stage for so much growth, and it always motivates me to grow. That's yes. the weirdest thing, dude. It all there's so much transformation in there happening, and uh, I, I wanted to think about one thing because I it's really interesting your perception on on suffering because that's not how I've historically um, grown up with it. Uh, so I, I want to hear more about how you talk about it because for me, like Victor Frankl's you know Man's Search for Meaning was my book because mm-hmm. I. It basically validates that um, that there 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 is validity and um, and purpose in the suffering. That there is purpose in in, in your suffering. And yes. I felt like I suffered for so long that it, it felt good to know that that you know it, it kind of gave me the, the permission to take pride in my suffering. Yes. Not like make the world uh, understand and empathize with my suffering, but just that because 
no one really knows your inner dialogue. And so for me, it's like, look, mm -hmm. if anyone really knew a lot of the darkness and the suicidal thoughts and the things that go on in my mind, you know, I, I don't know how they would view me, but, but <laughs> the, the, way, the way I want to think about it is that it is a struggle, that I am struggling, I'm trudging forward and I am suffering. So maybe I use, maybe it's the synonym I would use is struggle instead of suffer. Like maybe that's, that's more what it is that you don't have to suffer, but you have to struggle. Cause I, I do, I take pride in some of it because I know it's really difficult. And I know some of yes. the things I've gone through and persevered through are really hard. And, and um, so I, yeah, I, yeah I, have a lot, I have a lot of thoughts about that. Um, yeah, so, so, you know, this is why, like, I like to have conversations because you can't just, like, do, like, a spiritual, like, mic drop and say, like, oh, this is what, this is it. So what I mean yeah. by that is this. I always say it like this. Uh, suffering is a really fucking fantastic teacher until you get a better teacher. Yeah. Because we forget that we can learn through joy, too. We forget that we can learn through happiness, too. And so I wouldn't trade my struggles and my shit for my job, like for anything, because it has made me, it is, it is, I said, like, I used to act really tough, like Duke's up, like I'm a mass hole, like I'm a kid from Lawrence, Massachusetts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tough kid. And I said, well, I only needed the tough act, external tough act, until I understood that internally I was strong. And there's a difference between tough and strength. And so when I understood who walks beside me, when I understood who I really was, it's like, it's not that I have no fear. I talk about the fearless flow. It's not that I have no fear, but my fear is way dialed back because I know I'm not doing this stuff alone. My whole thing is it's not to um, not make the struggle and the suffering um, important or valuable because I think that's how we mainly learn. But I also don't want to throw away the fact that there's another way to learn. Yeah. And that we can start to focus on like, I see you with, you know, playing reggae and you're dancing with your daughter in that moment. And I think there's just as much value in this. God, that's such a good point because, you know, I, I tend to think all of my growth has to come through strife. Yes, you know, and no, like, it doesn't. Of course, a miracle says you can learn through joy or pain. There, there was more revealed to me. I mean, if I truly were to pay to pay attention to that, that exact moment you're talking about, there's a couple where I just picked up my daughter and we, we, we started to have these dance dance offs in the in the kitchen and, and I, what i what i learned is that that's far more enjoyable for me and i get more out of that than i do just about anything okay and can i ask I you for, uh, yeah go ahead can i ask you a question i know i'm being re really rude and interrupting because it's <laughs> when something comes in hot i have to pay attention I have you're to, a fucking asshole over yeah, here yeah i know like fucking interrupting you over here so when you but when you're dancing with her what are like the three top things that you're feeling? If you don't overthink it, like what's the three top things? I'm you're feeling separated from all of the nonsense, a hundred percent separated from all these things that bog me down. All right. Can I just stop you? Yeah. Look at how your mind, your mind immediately went to when I'm in this joyous dancing state with my daughter, yeah. I'm feeling separated from all the nonsense. Instead of saying, I feel connected to all that's good. Yeah. See how yeah. your mind just like picks up because it's just yeah. conditioning. It's just conditioning. Well, I feel like the negative is Velcroed onto me almost all the time. Okay. So, that, all right. Can we pick an, a, can we pick a better image? Yeah. Yeah. I'm working on it. I've, I really do feel like tr transitional, you know? Um, yeah. Like it has, it has been transitioning, but that part of it's just the work. The work's overwhelming, you know, and I'm, I'm constantly enveloped by it so you mean the work my, wait do you mean personal work or with the dogs yeah, and stuff just work the 
work with the dogs. Marvel yeah, yeah. That work is so, you know, it's 96% of my time. And so, you know, when I do get those, those breaths of fresh air with my daughter, it, um, I feel extreme joy because I don't, I don't feel um, connected to any of that work stuff. Yes. Know, I feel wholly connected yes. to her. I love instead that. Instead of connecting to that stuff. That's why it's so, um, and there's just so much, it's so, so much more real, those, those connections, you know? Yeah, dude. You I'm actually to... sitting in her, uh, is that your sweetie? Chair. Is that your sweetie? No, this is her chair. Oh, oh, oh I thought so. Oh, I thought uh, she came in because I wanted to say hi uh, to her. <laughs> uh, she's uh, she's oh, in, in oh. Everett, Washington. Oh, the past well, for example. Yeah, I mean, so Zach, I mean, I think that's the thing, right? Is like, um, I have so much. Um, I know one of my best friend, one of my beloved friends, um, does rescue dog rescue here in New Hampshire. She's rescued over three thousand dogs, and her and her husband both do it. And it's like out of her house, and she has like the rough house, which is where they, you know, they board um, the dogs and they rehabilitate. I mean, yeah. and I just know, like, I know firsthand. I volunteer there sometimes, so I know firsthand. Like, you can't do this work and come out unscathed. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like how police. You know, police often see you know, the worst of humanity, the fucking worst yeah. of humanity. And especially people come stay with us and they always, every single time, what they say is, is within hours, they're completely overwhelmed and they just repeat. I don't know how you do this. You know, yeah. They're, they're just... Some part of you, I think. Um, and I, and so it's so fascinating to me because I think that the part of you that has suffered so much the, the gift, I always say the gift of suffering for me, I'm not going to speak for you, the gift of suffering for me in my own suffering is very quickly, very quickly, it's one of the reasons why I'm vegan, it's very quickly um, easy for me to identify another person's or another being's suffering. And mm. so it has taught me great, great compassion, and it has taught me to expand, expand my viewpoint of how the ego would love to have me view people like 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 you were talking about these incarcerated men i i really get that we're all children of the divine i really get that we sometimes are very fucking clumsy and we make big mistakes and we do awful things mm -hmm. but there's something in particular about doing something awful to yourself poisoning yourself with shit doing cutting harming yeah. self-harm yeah. versus taking it out on a weaker being a smaller being whether it's a child or an animal that has no voice and can't defend against you so in the work that you do you also see some of the worst of humanity our lowest level of inflicting ourselves on onto something that can't fight back and and i say yeah. prayers for you guys all the time and i i i mean i say prayers for all of us all of humanity but but i'm just kind of like i really wanted to ask you if you could share with the viewers like and I, I would say that dancing with Shy in the kitchen is one of those things that you do to, some people might say it to combat the forces of darkness, but I would say, yeah. how do you keep the light on? Yeah. How do what you- What I used to do is, I used to always write. I don't write enough, but that was how I processed it all, is I would write. And I would try to focus on something positive or what I knew the end result was gonna be. Um, too often we focus on the obvious, which is, you know, like with Hooch. Hooch had his tongue cut out, his ears cut off, and. Uh, people want to focus on that most of the time. They want to focus on if I could find this guy, I would kill him in a variety in the following ways. Mm -hmm. um, and I just don't, while that gets all of our dopamine and you know, <laughs> yes. all, all of our, our adrenaline, flowing, yeah. you know, it's not helpful in any way, shape or form. And so there was a time in my life where I was, you know, much more violent and would have, you know, every one of these situations would have been a, 
you know, form a posse, kind of go out and find these people and, and, and um, address it accordingly. And it's just not, it's just not how I'm wired anymore. You know, I, I, my focus goes into caring for what's in front of me. What's at yes. hand. And the, the, the task at hand is caring for these dogs. So the best way I can, I can um, move forward is to put all my, that frustration into the, into caring for the dogs and into um, talking about um, showcasing why whomever did that to this showcasing why animals are so special, you know, and how resilient they are and how they can get through, through something horrific. Like it's uh, like, it's a little teeny speed bump, you know? And um, I just really, I, I, um, I feel sorry for people that, that just want to focus on the negative, you know, and, and they want to pull I mean, I, it's like, um, it's, it's actually like, easier to our, do. It's part of our, yeah, it's part of our tribalism and we want to organize into packs that want to go, you know, Affect yeah. vengeance and all the rest of it and we want to we want to feel camaraderie by organizing with other people who are willing to do go kill some people who hurt a dog and really what i wish more people reacted pro pra, pragmatically and did something that we knew was going to help so if you see yes. something that frustrates you get involved exactly don't just, get, don't just get pissed off get involved with something you know put your money where um, your mouth is man and, and yeah. let your anger actually motivate you into taking some sort of action yeah, I, mean, I get angry you know but i've also i'm at the shelter all the time and i see these people so it's far easier for us to demonize people and uh, oh my god i can't believe you surrendered your 14 year old chihuahua that's been with you your whole life and what a piece of shit what kind of evil human being would do that and then you realize the person's got diabetes and their husband just died and they don't have any money and they're on a fixed income and you just go come on people why the fuck would we want to go out of our way to make the situation any worse than it is can't we just objectively look at it and understand that we have a life that needs us and then you know we can address the rest of it if we if we think it'll help culturally and we can educate we can use the opportunity to educate 100%. but we don't have to we don't have to call people out. We don't have to, um, you know, take a bunch of low blows and really malign people and ostracize them publicly. It's just not worth it. Those are always the biggest hits on social media, but I, I just don't think it's that important. Dude, I love everything that you're saying right now. And I think it's so important. It's actually about keeping the focus where, um, where we can be helpful and not harmful. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's really easy, like you said. And this is the thing. If people just fucking, I always say to my clients, man, like th one of the greatest things you can do is to approach your life and your brothers and sisters in this world with curiosity instead of judgment. Because the ego loves to judge. That's its full-time gig. That is it. It's natural, yeah. It's your, your ego loves to, it is constantly, constantly Constantly judging whether or not I want to drink this water or have a lemonade, right? On I a mean, regular every, basis. Regular basis. Like, not even regular. Anyway. Not even regular, Zach. Non-stop. Yeah non-stop the ego is just chattering out its preferences its judgment its bullshit but we never know what somebody's story is we never know what's really going on unless we take the time to sit down and talk to them and so many dogs are surrendered and we don't know why it happens and it's like me like i you know i'm like i always say to myself like if i just let myself sit and think about the billions of animals that are slaughtered annually right for people to eat them and stuff like that i would become paralyzed so I'm like, okay, I'm one person. What can I do? Yeah. And then I do what I can do so that I don't feel guilty, like so that I can feel like I'm making a difference in the world. And it's the same thing. Like I love that POV that you keep the focus on where the love is. Yeah. Yeah. And I've that's beautiful. To, you know, we've got this program, a final gift where we render last rights to dying shelter dogs. We take them in and 
and we give them a last hurrah and then we when we euthanize them we do it as a family and we all get together and we bury them and we uh, we'll try to take them out for food or to the beach or to the park or it depends on how sick they are but we, we give them a real dignified out and that final gift is 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 you know we, we humanely euthanize them at the ranch and bury them under the poplar tree and you know there's a I've seen another approach to that you know um, which was you know so that's that's our focus is we take in these dogs from the shelter that are terminally ill it's called the final gift we take them through the whole program and and then we it ends with them passing away but it's it's a very kumbaya wonderful emotive yeah. <laughs> time for all of us conversely that same that same program was executed differently where you know it was one person who took the dog into their house and the dog ended up dying a couple weeks later and it was a real you know um, it was a real ode to the piece of shit parents who used to have the dog so it was a the dog died which we knew it would die and it was a big um, f you to the previous parents it was a it was a real sob story about how sad the person was that the dog had died um, even though we you know the person knew the dog was terminally ill so it was instead of it being the opportunity of hey I took a dog in for two weeks gave it a glorious experience and how special how special it was for me to be able to offer this to to get to do this it was yes I should be someone should feel terribly sorry for me because this dog died and I'm over here flagellating myself emotionally with this death. Because it's and, not about the dog. I mean, people, like, you can see right through it. Like, uh, you can really 100%, see, like, yeah, it's- 100% it's, about the, that's that, that's that sympathetic narcissism. It's people are trying to gain, <laughs> gain points in the world with, um, you know, it's like they're, it's like they're applying for um, divinity. Like, they're trying to get through the pearly gates. And there's this constant competition of what can I do to um, show, like, I care the most. You are not and, kidding. Yeah. But I think that's part of where, why people also struggle with, with grief. Uh, you know, I have a lot of clients that I work with who have had tragedies and traumas and lost people and sometimes children. And, and I say to them, you know, you feel like you're um, doing, you know, you're, you're dead. I said, we don't abandon our dead here, but we also don't have to like build altars to our suffering about them forever for the rest of your life. You're allowed to have days where you feel better, <laughs> like, you know, mm -hmm. and I think there's something to this um, feeling like, well, if I start to feel better, if I start to heal, then it means I didn't love them as much. Like yeah, I've got yeah. to prove, I've got to prove by yeah. my suffering and my wailing and my self-flagellation, all this yeah. stuff, like how much I cared. And I'm like, totally. hey, look, nobody is requiring your suffering yeah. but you and your ego mind. Yeah, certainly not the dead, the dead person or animal. Exactly. That you're honoring. That person wants you to go live it up. Dude. That person doesn't want you sitting there. Like, wait, you're celebrating my death by, by... By being like miserable person. and making it right, right. I'm like, this is oh. terrible. <laughs> I, yeah. don't, I don't What's think. What's wrong with this picture? Yeah. Yeah. If I was, if I was still like suffering at 50, like my, you know, my mother died when I was 12. I'm like, I think my mother would be really fucking bummed and disappointed. She'd be like, still, still, you're carrying my dead body around gonna, behind the, you. <laughs> the next time I introduce you, I'm gonna introduce you as, yo, yeah, my my friend Karen Kinney. Her mom died when she was 12. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's funny. Extra sympathy right off the bat. Oh, no, no, trust me. It's like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because um, because of the work that I do and I am a storyteller, I have to tell that story a lot, but I don't tell it from the wound anymore. I don't tell it from that place because it's like, it's everything that I took. It's the glory that I took from the story and yeah. all the golden nuggets and all the yeah. empathy and compassion and strength and grit. I would not be who I am today 
if I hadn't lost her in that, I say her, that, that death is awful and brutal and tragic as it was. It was ultimately a gift. It was ultimately a gift yeah. to me. And so yeah, yeah. that's what I, I look at. And I look at the work that you do in the world, Zach, and I just, it is, it's a gift. It's a gift for those animals. It's a yeah. gift for the rest of us to see what's I, I possible. View my, um, I view liver failure the same way. A lot of people have this tendency to feel really sorry for me. They're like, oh my God. Oh, I don't I'm feel so sorry, sorry for you at all. No, there's a variety of reasons I don't. One, uh, if I my liver hadn't failed, I would have never got better. I would have 100,000% be dead. And Amen. two, you know, none of the rest of this stuff would have happened. You know? <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for, for yeah, liver failure. Like I, I'm, uh, I, you know, and for all of this stuff, I'm, I'm grateful that I had the issues that I did as a child that I went through. I think it's a put me in a position to relate to more people, connect with more people and maybe make a difference. You know? and, but going back to, you kind of gave me some insight that's going to be fun to run with is I felt this shift that started Sunday and I woke up and I've been really struggling lately, not sleeping, I slept Sunday night. And I thought, you know, I feel really good today. I feel good. <laughs> Why do I feel good? This is, I should feel shitty. I, my, my brain is telling me to feel shitty. I, I have this pattern of feeling shitty, but I'm going to yeah. run with it and feel good. <laughs> <laughs> and then I felt good Monday, and then I felt good Tuesday, and then felt good Wednesday, and now Thursday's here, and I still feel good, and I got some sleep last night, and life is still in session. There's a lot of really heavy shit going on, yeah. but I just feel like I'm, for the first time, giving my, myself permission to, to not feel shitty, and um, that's always been an interesting statement that people tell those of us who suffer with depression is, you know, you got to put effort towards um, not feeling shitty, and, and, I, and I think that's, it's hard to... <laughs> It's hard to view that statement, but it's true. And yes. I really put forth that it's a, you know, every time it's, it's, it's poked its head through, I've really consciously put that away and said, no, no, that's not my, I'm trying to constantly tell myself it's not my narrative anymore. That's not my story. I'm not, I don't have to be this depressed insomniac recovering alcoholic, that I can be, I can be something else that still has those experiences, you know? But uh, yeah, I, I love every, I love, I love, 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 love. And it's really actually wicked funny. And humor is one of my big three. I think there's so much healing through humor, humor and laughter. And, yeah. and you can find just about anything funny at, when there's enough time and distance and healing that happens. But something that you said that's like really important is that giving yourself permission to feel good. Like, oh, it's okay. Like I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to have like five good days in a row is like really important. Mm -hmm. And and then, oh, hold on. Let me just, let me just like, I got to rewind something else that you said that was really important. And I'm like, I want to make sure that I, that I focus on that. Um, ah, I don't know. It's gone now. Like it like slipped, right. but I, I do think that, um, I do think that what, what you're doing is you're giving us an example of, um, oh wait, it's trying to come back in. Hold on a second. Mm. Oh, yeah. So your situation, like you were talking about it. And it's like, I always say to people, we don't have to abandon our stories. When I say rewrite your story or let go of your story, it's like when you say I'm not that story anymore. I'm like, that story will always be a part of your narrative, part of yeah. your story. But it doesn't have to define you. So I say it like, hey, life situation, not life sentence. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's like it was this life situation that informed us, it inspired us, it influenced us, but it doesn't have to define us for the rest of our lives. That's what I wanted to say because yeah, exactly. I, I think you're like, you are such a comeback kid in so many ways. Like you're like, I just, you're somebody that in my, me too. And me too. And I think I see a lot of myself, like I say, like 
different, different, but samesies, samesies. Like that's how I feel about you. That I have a, I have a deep connection and reverence for you and um, with you and for you. And I just love what you're doing in the world. And I'm trying to get you. I'm trying to get you out of here on yeah, time. Thanks. So well, right, I, right back at you. I really and, and when I hear your zeal and your stoke and how excited you are about what we're doing, and that makes it. Um, it really resonates with me. I see people get excited, but it means a lot for someone like me, person I have great respect for to, to, and to understand all that we're actually doing, like to get the nuance and you, you have like the data and you're aware of exactly what yeah. we're doing. That's really you're, great. You're healing the world in your own powerful way. And I think that it took you having to become so deeply sensitive to suffering for you to be able to become an open conduit and channel for this yeah. level of work to come through. And yeah, so and that's what I, that's what I look forward to in the future is, 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 is allowing myself to be like, um, exalted one level up from that, just that injured trauma ridden person who's talking about their story to one step up to a person who's healed through some of that and is ready to kind of, um, be more of a beacon of strength for people as opposed to just somebody who's gotten through a tough time, you know, but so becoming someone who's gotten through a tough time and, and come out the other end happy. But you know, I think, yes, yes, dude, because, you know, um, inner peace, peace and happiness are your natural inheritance. So if we're not feeling those things, that's a sign that we've taken a detour into fear. And yeah. a detour into fear is just like you're stuck in the ego mind. So I, I think of it like this. Like I think I always teach my, talk to my clients, like <clears throat> your mind is like a duplex. And on the left side of the duplex, like is when you're out of your right mind, you're on the left side of the duplex with the drunk, crazy neighbors. And they're always like throwing keggers and there's shit on the lawn. It's a fucking mess and it's loud. Nobody's sleeping and everybody's just like getting fat and messy and it's gross. Right? <laughs> on the right side of your mind is where I would say like spirit lives or Holy Spirit or the divine or your spiritual team, your helpers. I don't care what you call them. But on the right side of your mind where you're not fucking insane, the part of your mind that is in communion with the part of you that's not <laughs> mental right? That, yeah. that spiritual place, it's on the right side of our mind. And in every yeah. moment with every thought, word, and action, we're choosing which space, which teacher, which voice we're listening to, drunk, crazy neighbors, or spirit. And I say, but what we forget when we're over here at the Kega is that we could go across the hall and borrow yeah. some sugar anytime we want to. Yeah, exactly. So when we're in the fear crazy place, we just have to have the, the, the clarity of the pause, like just a pause, a breath to go, oh, yeah. like I could choose differently. So I, yeah. I, I, I just want to encourage you to understand that like you're already doing it, brother. Like you're already doing it. You're already exalted. You're already like, it's just about claiming it because like you're yeah. doing it. And I can't, I can't know your inner dialogue and the shit that's going on in there all the time and if you know i always say to my, my clients like if i had a billboard that just kind of projected my thoughts on it all the time i'd have no friends or clients right so <laughs> I, I get it yeah. but i just want you to know that i see you through such a loving and 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 beautiful and encouraging lens you're, you're, you're impacting me you're influencing and inspiring me um i always say and i really mean this like People are like, oh, you're a spiritual person. You probably don't like money. I said, fuck that. I want to make a ton of money because I want to be able to one day write Zach and Molly's Muscle Big Fat Check. <laughs> and I want to write my friend Jordan at Conscious Muscle down in Florida and his Animal Rescue Big Fat Check. My friends at Peace and Paws, it's like, I'm working to work because there are causes that are working and doing right. stuff that I love. And I'm telling you, dude, I hold that vision that someday I'm going to make a little chunk of change and I can be able to uh, gift back to you in ways that might be helpful. 
for what you're doing because uh, I, I just love you and I, I love your little family and I follow everybody and I'm, well, I just, go ahead. That was perfect. That was so perfect. Oh. Thank you. It's true. It's true. And, I, and I, I believe that, um, I believe, per, and I know you know this, well, I think you know this, I shouldn't make assumptions, but my spiritual team has said to me loud and clear so many times, um, Cora Rose was sent to you like a little angel, man. She was mm -hmm. sent to you like that dog was beelining right for your heart. Yeah. Yeah, she has. She's with me all the time. She's been incredible. I mean, that to, the, the greatest joy of all that is that I get to bring her around and change people's days fundamentally. You know, all they have to do is lay eyes on her for a second or, or get to pet her or get to hold her in. And their whole, it might change their, she leaves such a positive streak that their entire, the, the happiness quotient of their entire day is changed. And then because their happiness quotient has changed, that of those around them has changed because we're all codependent. <laughs> because you know what? We all have a little core inside of us and she's just a reflection and a mirror back to, to what's within us. Yeah, she's sure. the uncomplicated, unconfused part of ourselves that, because she's, yes. she's, yes. yes. she's the embodiment yeah. of love. There's, it's all simple with Cora. Yeah, she, it's she like I'm either, wrestling, to... I'm either wrestling with Henry or I'm like, I'm like yes. eating poop in the she field. She doesn't need to sit down with Karen and have Karen like uh, reiterate why, why she's, she should enjoy her day. And why yes, yes, because Cora's just yeah. fucking Cora. She, she gets yeah. it. She gets who she is, right? So I just love that. Dude, I got to get you out of here because I don't want you yeah. to be late. Well, hey, I love you. I, I love you. And thank I you. love you. And can you just tell people very quickly, like two ways to get in touch with you or to find your yeah. stuff? You can find me on Instagram at Zach Scow, uh, also at Marley's Mutts and uh, on Facebook, Zach Scow, Z-A-C-H-S-K-O-W. And uh, Positive Change, our prison program is just Positive Change, P-A-W, um, Positive Change program on Instagram and on Facebook. And then Marley'sMutts.org. Marley'sMutts.org is the website. So. Awesome, brother. And so when this goes live on my website and we push it out in a couple of weeks, they'll get all the links, how to find you, what okay. to do. And I'm going to... All right, and let's do it again. Let's do Dude, it again. I would love it. Hey, look it. Can we pinky swear? I want to find a way to come out and visit you guys on the ranch sometime. Can I do that? Yeah, 100%. You can come right. stay out a place for you to stay. You're good to go. Awesome. I would love it. All right, brother. Go out. Do Keep doing good things wherever you go. Be a blessing. You already are. All right, all right my sister. Take it okay, easy. Honey. Bye. Bye. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I super duper appreciate your time, friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days. And let me know what your favorite part was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. -E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. Because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. 
Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.